Good morning. How's everyone in Webster doing this morning? Y'all doing all right? It is a great honor to be here. I'd like to thank your Pastor Brother Hughes for allowing the invitation to be extended in my direction. Also, it's good to be with my friends, Brother Landon and Sister Sarah Law. They are good friends of mine. You may not know this, but uh, Sister Sarah and I grew up in the same uh, youth group. And so we came from the same group. We were sitting at uh, dinner last night, and we were thinking about some of the people that we were in the youth group with. And we started counting the ones that were still in church. And I guess out of about 30 of us, there's six of us still in church and five of us are in ministry. So it just I was thinking, well... We took the scripture literally. I wish that you were hot or cold. So we were either all in or we were all out. It was definitely an extreme group. But it is good to be with my friends this morning. And it's also, you know, you've never heard of me, but I've heard of you. I have heard of Webster. I had the privilege the last couple of years of being a judge at the North American Bible Quiz Tournament. And whenever Webster walks into the room, everybody takes notice because they know there's a good chance they're about to lose. You have one of the best Bible quiz teams in the nation right here. And it is an honor to be with them as well. When I, whenever I put two and two together and it hit, I was like, oh, they're good. <laughs> And so it's an honor to be with Ethan and Fabian as well this morning. Have your Bibles. We're going to turn to the book of 2 Timothy and the book of Acts. Isn't God good? Has he been faithful to anybody? I was praying this morning, and I was reminded, he reminded me of a promise that he gave me. He promised I'm never going to leave you. And I will never forsake you. Isn't it good to know that that's the kind of God that we serve? I wonder if we could just lift him up one more time. Jesus, we magnify you and we praise you. Thank you for your many promises. You are great, greatly to be praised. And your pr- praise will forever be on my lips. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, he's so good. We serve such a great God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, reads, This know also, that in the last days... Find two people around you and tell them, in the last days, in the last days, in the last days, perilous times, perilous simply means a time of danger, perilous times shall come. Then he gives examples of this dangerous day, this dangerous time. He says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, 
except in Webster. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Sounds like the year 2016, doesn't it? Now, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 17. Another picture of this same day. Acts 2 and 17 reads, It shall come to pass in the last days. Now find three people and tell them, In the last days. In the last days. In the last days. In the last days saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. That sounds like the year 2016. I wonder if one more time we can lift our hands to the heaven all over this room and just invite the presence of God to touch your heart and your mind today. God, we open our heart and we open our mind to the Word of God. And we ask that you will come in and you will change us. God, the only thing that can change our hearts and our minds is a demonstration of your Spirit. And we ask that you will open up the windows of heaven today. And you will pour out of your spirit upon us today, God. Whatever any individual needs in this room, it is in your spirit. And I ask that you will give it to us today, God. Bless your people and bless your word in the name of Jesus. I wonder if we can put our hands together one more time and give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. This morning... I want to speak to you on the subject, stay in the hedge. Stay in the hedge. You may be seated. The glass is now a lot of optimists in the room. It can be said that the glass is half full. The glass is half empty. Look on the bright side of life. Look on the dark side of life. In 1859, one of the greatest masterpieces was ever penned, in my opinion, by the man by the name of Charles Dickens. And in his magnificent tale of London and Paris during the bloody days of the French Revolution, in the opening paragraph, he recognized two opposite results emerging from the same source. And he says, it is the age of wisdom. It is the age of foolishness. It is the season of light. It is the season of darkness. It is the spring of hope. It is the winter of despair. We had everything. 
yet nothing was before us. We were all going to heaven. We were all going the other way. And in his book, Tale of Two Cities, he concluded with one of the greatest lines ever penned. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. In the last days, perilous times shall come. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit. In every age of history, on every page of Scripture, the truth is revealed that greatness only comes when it is accompanied with the worst scenarios. Daniel was a prophet in exile. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made their stand while living as captives in Babylon. Second Kings chapter 5 tells the story of a little maid who stepped out with the words and brought broad message of hope to those who were captive. And, and Esther's entire nation was on the brink of extinction when she stepped out and said, if I perish, I perish. And out of the cross comes a man beaten and bruised, salvation for the entire world. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. It's the epic good versus evil and right versus wrong. We are living in a very perilous day. We're living in a day with a Pontius Pilate attitude. What is truth? You have your truth, and I have my truth. And if your truth is good for you, then that's good for you. And if my truth is good for me, then that's good for me. What, where is the new standard? Is it the latest poll? What will we begin to say no to? Or we are living in a day that desires to silence a voice of truth where everyone's opinions becomes the absolute truth. Consider the statistics of the day. One in four teenage girls who have been in a relationship revealed that they have had pressure to, in the types of intercourse that are only reserved for marriage. There's some pretty staggering statistics that I'm going to try to knock out of the park real quick. I hope you, so stick tight with me, okay? Hope you can handle it. But this is the exact day in which we're living. One in three teens in the United States are victims of physical, sexual, emotional, or verbal abuse. Nine out of ten boys are exposed to pornography before the age of 18. Six out of ten girls are exposed to pornography before the age of 18. According to Covenant Eyes, which is an online accountability site, only 3% of teenage males and 16% of teenage females have never been exposed to online pornography. Our age is too sophisticated to offer our children on the altars of the false god of Molech, so instead, 3,000 lives are aborted every day in the United States of America. According to Barna Group, teenagers are the most religious active group in America, yet the 20-somethings are the least active group in America. There is a 43% drop-off rate from the time a high school senior turns the tassel. What he's really turning the tassel on is the church as well. We are in the process of losing an entire demographic in the church. May I present the elephant in the room? That there will become a day where students, you have to make up your mind and you have to decide for yourself whether you will take up the cross and follow Jesus Christ. There has to be something inside of you that says, take this 
everything in it and give me Jesus. We're living in a day of a very perilous time. It brings anxiety, worry, and fear, and guilt and restlessness. A failing heart. Eve, every year, there are more than 4 million people that struggle with heart failure in America. This is the day in which we live. However, I do find nine simple words penned by a shepherd on the backside of a hillside when he said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Here's a shepherd living in a biblical world who believes beyond a shadow of a doubt that with all the baggage that this world brings, that this is still a day that the Lord has made. May I remind you that God made the day that the blind man received his sight, but he also made the day that he was born blind. God made the day that the Hebrews stood on the banks of the Red Sea, but he also made the day that they danced the dance of deliverance. He made the day that the three Hebrew boys went into the fire, and he made the day that they came out. Regardless of what happens in our world, regardless of what happens in education, regardless of what happens in politics, regardless of what happens in economics, this is still the day that the Lord has made. A staggering fact I found was that the American public is diluted with over 100,000 pieces of brand new information every day. Everyone wants you to hear their opinion. We hear what the White House says. We hear what the Republicans say. We hear what the Democrats say. We hear what Hannity and the Kardashians and Beyonce and The View and Oprah and Ellen, ESPN and CNN and Fox News and MSNBC. And everyone has to say because everybody has an opinion about everything. In the day in which we live, social media or social networking, Facebook would become the fourth largest country in the world. Because we hear what everyone has to say and everyone has an opinion. Consider this, to reach 50 million people, radio took 38 years. Television took 13 years. The Internet took four years. The iPad iPod took three years, but Facebook reached 100 million people in less than nine months. People endure their jobs. They endure school. They endure church when they enjoy their real lives on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And David said, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and and in, and in hatred they... Their wrath is against me. And he said, my heart is sore, pained within me. And then he says, oh, that I would have the wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, I would wander off and I would remain in the wilderness. We hear what everyone has to say and we hear their opinions. And David said, whenever their voices became so strong, I just wanted to disappear and go find a place where I could silence their voices. Then maybe, possibly, I could just find rest. We hear what everyone has to say. We hear every opinion. But my question 
tonight is this. What does Jesus have to say to me? How can I shut every other voice out and say, I need to hear the voice of God? And he says, he has the audacity to say, when you hear these things, let not your heart be troubled. Why shouldn't I let my heart be troubled? Don't you see what's going on in the world? Don't you read the newspaper? Do you understand what's going on in my family, in my life, in my finances? Don't you understand? And you're telling me not to let my heart be troubled. Does he understand my pain and my fear? Does he understand the guilt that's in my life? Does he really understand? And he says, let not your heart be troubled. May I say that, yes, he does. And a thousand times over, yes, he does. In 2 Kings 6, Syria is at war with Israel. And every time that Syria would attack the Israelites, the Israelites would be ready for them and they would overthrow the Syrians. And this caused the king of Syria to take note and he began to ask questions. He said, is there a spy in the camp? They said, no, there's not a spy in the camp, but there's a prophet by the name of Elisha, and he's telling all of our secrets to the king of Israel. So the Syrian army decides we're going to go after Elisha, and Elisha's servant sees the army surrounding him. And when the servant of the man of God rose early, he went out and he saw the Assyrian army surrounding them, and he runs to Elisha and he says, Alas, my master. What shall we do? What are we going to do? I find myself many times asking the same question. What are we going to do? I need, who's the strongest one of y'all here? Who's the strongest guy here? Come on up. Come on. How you doing? I'm Donnie. I wanted to meet myself before I told him what he is or what he represents. Anthony, you're the devil. (laughs) This is the devil. This is evil. This is your day. This is your bad day. This is debt. This This is a bad school grade. This is everything right here. Everything you wake up in the morning and you detest and you're scared half to death to face, this is it. You wake up in the morning, and it's there. It's just right there. And you step over here, and it's there. You step over here, and it's there. You try to back up, and it's there. It's always there. It follows you. He he walked out. The servant of the man of God went outside, and this is what he saw. Something bigger than him. Something more powerful than him. And he didn't know what to do, so he runs to the man of God and he says, I don't know what to do. This is, it's out there. What are we going to do? I find our answer in Psalms 23. Psalms 23 and 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
for thou art with me. And then he gives some things. He says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I need a rod and a staff. Two guys to come represent a rod and a staff. Come on. Rod, come on. He said, I got a rod and a staff to comfort me. Hi, I've Mom. Got... Hi, Mom. That's right. I've got a rod. The rod was for correction. And, and so... He said, I'm going to make sure you've got correction in your life to keep you on the right path. And then the staff was for guidance. I'm not only going to correct you, but I'm going to guide you. I'm going to provide for your guidance. And then he goes on to say, and I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I need a table. I need somebody to come be a table. Come on. It's a good table right there. I got a table before me. Before me. I got a table before me in the presence. Notice where God positions the table of blessing in your life. He positions the table of blessing right in front of your enemies. It doesn't matter what you throw in front of him. I'm going to bless him anyway. I'm going to put a table in front of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to occur even in the presence of your enemies. And then the writer says, and goodness and mercy shall follow me. I need goodness and mercy. Come see. I need some goodness and mercy. Hey, y'all can get in on this too. Goodness and mercy. Y'all go stand in the back. It is getting quite crowded. That's a good thing. Not for you though. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. And then in Psalms 32 and 7, it says, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. What that means is that he's got angels going around saying, You're going to make it. Singing, You're going to make it. I know it's a bad day, but you're going to make it today. You can make it today. I need some angels. I need, give me two angels. There you go. Just find a spot. One on each side. Verse 8 of chapter 32, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eye. You have the eye of God over your life. If one eye is on the sparrow, I know he's watching me. I know. There's some things that you need to know. There's some things that you've just got to be persuaded about. If we're going to live in this day, there's some things that, that, like David said, my heart is fixed. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. I will forever sing praises to that. There's some things that you've got to be persuaded. Paul said, I am persuaded. That neither death nor life, angels nor principalities, things present nor things to come, can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm persuaded. I know that the eye of God is on me. I need somebody to come be the eye of God. Get on up there. Thank you, thank you. So I've got... Goodness and mercy. I've got a rod and a staff. I got a table of blessing. I got the eye of God. I got angels about me saying, You're going to make it. 
Psalms 125 and 2. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so is the Lord round about his people from henceforth and evermore. He said, I've got a mountain about you. I need a mountain. Who wants to come be a That's a mountain. (laughs) Rod on my right. Staff at my left. Table in front of me. Goodness and mercy behind me. Angels saying you're going to make it. And a mountain is surrounding you. And his eye is on you. I need one more thing. And if an elder could do it, that would be great. But scripture says, I sought for a man to stand in the gap. There was a gap in the hedge. I can provide everything for you, but there's still a gap in the hedge. And that gap is a prayer warrior. Said, I need a prayer. You need a prayer warrior in your life. Young people, what you need more than anything is to get a prayer warrior in your life. Someone who's going to cover you in prayer every day. Can I, get a, can I get somebody who knows how to pray to cope? Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. All, everybody except the devil. I need you all to make a circle. I don't really care. Uh, you, you, if you're out of place, that's fine. I need you just to make a circle and close it in. And, the, and to end Psalms 23... David wrote the words, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, here's what's about to happen. I am in the hedge. I am in the church. This is the church of the living God where there's correction and there's instruction, where there's blessing, where there's goodness, where there's mercy, where there's redemption, where there's hope, where there's peace. All of these things abide only in the church. Okay, devil, you need to break through my hedge and you don't let him touch me because I'm going to be in the church worshiping God. He cannot... Filtrate this hedge. Jesus, you are so good. Thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness that's greater than life. There you go. Link up. Because all of these things link together. There is nothing. There is absolutely nothing more important than staying in the hedge that God has provided for you. Because there's worship in the hedge. There's praise in the hedge. There's deliverance in the hedge. Thank you all so much. Thank y'all so much. Hey, whenever you wake up in the morning and when you first open your eyes, God's already working on your behalf. He's providing something for you. Hey, the greatest place in the world is the church. It's something that he gave his blood for. Stay in the church. Stay in the head. There's grace and mercy that you will never find in the world that's found right here. There's redemption that you'll never find in the world. You can find it right here in the head. You know why it's a hedge and not a fence? Why it's a hedge and not a concrete wall? The reason why it's a hedge 
is because hedges never stop growing. God has so much for you. And he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with him. And he and he prayed, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire. I pray that God would open up our eyes to see the things that are unseen. There's no greater place in the world. There is no greater place in the world than where you're at right now. You're not going to find mercy like you can find mercy anywhere else but here. You're not going to find people that love you like you're going to find people that love you right here. You're not going to find, if you're going to mess up in your life, and you will, because you're human, humans have a 100% mess up rate. But if you're going to mess up, you mess up right here. Because this is a place that can cover you with mercy and grace. This, there's redemption here. There's peace here. There is hope that you will never find anywhere else but right here in the church. Acts 20 and 28 says that he purchased, that, that the church was purchased with the blood of God. It commissions us to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. We live in a perilous times. You may be seated. We live in a perilous times if musicians can come. But stay in the hedge. Not just the teenagers and the students, but every adult. Stay in the hedge. Stay. There is nowhere else I would rather my family be than in the hedge. If you're going to raise your kids, raise them in the hedge. Because it is in the hedge. And it shall come to pass. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. It's hard to do that if you don't stay connected to the church. We may be living in perilous times. And men may be boasters of their own selves. But it's not going to stop somebody from receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Men may be unthankful, but it's not going to stop us from baptizing somebody in the name of Jesus. There may be those without natural affection, but it's not going to stop us from in everything giving thanks to our God.
because we serve a God who desires and longs to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for... He cares about you more than you realize. I was a senior in high school. I just graduated on my senior trip. And I went on a mission trip to a little country called Grenada in the Windward Islands. And on the way to church on that Sunday morning, we were riding in this little vehicle called a Sheaves for Christ vehicle. And we passed two ladies who were walking to church up the side of a mountain. So my brother and I jumped out of the vehicle, let the two ladies get into the car. And we walked the rest of the way, and it was hot. And to think that every week they walked to church. I don't know about you, but I know we drove one car here. It would have been kind of pointless to drive both. We had a little bit of a drive. And we left one of them at home. Because we both have really good jobs. And we both drive there separately in the mornings. And so the Lord has blessed us with two good cars. They're old, but they're good. If you don't mind this morning, you don't have to raise your If you drove, if you carpooled two people in the car this morning, you left one of your cars at home this morning, you raise your hand. You are a blessed individual. You know what the cure to a perilous time is? The cure to a perilous bad time is a thankful heart. When you can say in everything, I give thanks. There are days whenever I come home and I take it slow down my little short driveway. And I say, thank you, Jesus, for this house. Thank you, Jesus, for this yard. Thank you, Jesus, for the car. And then I walk through the door. Thank you, Jesus, for this door. Thank you, Jesus, for that carpet. Thank you, Jesus, for this chair. Thank you, Jesus, for this room. Thank you, Jesus, for the kitchen. Because here's what I know. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And whenever I'm having a bad day, or I'm wanting to throw in the towel, or or I just want to quit, I just simply remember these words. Thank you, Jesus. There is a sweet spirit of the Holy Ghost that has swept across this room. I wonder if we could all stand this morning. We're living in a perilous day. But somebody's going to hold on to the faith. We may be living in a dangerous world, but there's still going to be a teenager that says, I'm going to live for God no matter what.
youth ministry for nearly a decade. About five years ago, I was asked to write an article. And and the article was about how to grow a youth group. I put three things. God. Environment. And height. That was five years ago. And you know what? It worked to succeed what I was going for. But then I watched it all tumble and fall. I thought I thought I had it figured out. But I've learned that what what is cool one day will not be cool the next. And the one and what Jesus is asking of us is to take up our cross and follow him. Cool the cool factor is great, but it will fade away. If there's anything we need more in this day than anything is disciples of Jesus Christ. What do you got to do to be a disciple? Ask yourself that question and pursue it with everything that's inside of you. Because I learned that God is a must. You can have the most perfect environment, but even Adam and Eve messed that up. And hype is overrated. But discipleship, you will take that to your grave. Because whenever you are a disciple of Jesus, you will follow him wherever he leads you. Whenever you wake up in the morning and you say, you know what, I want to be led by your spirit. Lead me today, Jesus. Lead me to the person. Guide my steps and give me the words to say. You need to let your light so shine. In a world that refuses absolute truth, stand on the absolute truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Find Jesus. Figure out his mind. There's red letters in those Bibles. Figure out his mind. Love what he loves and hate with a passion what he hates. Forty-one percent high school seniors. Whenever they graduate high school, they graduate God. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. In church, there is no greater encourager than you. There is no greater support system than you. Go out of your way to support a teenager because they are the future and the present of the church. What a day. Today is your day. 
ele de verdade. We could have all the students. We're here to celebrate you today. From pre-K or preschool all the way up to whether you're in college. I'd like for you to come. Just to come to the front. This is an altar call for you. I've seen teenagers pray in altars before. Great moves of God. And they're awesome. But you want to know an element that, it, that brings even more power to whenever students begin to pray? It's whenever adults join with them and pray a passionate prayer over them. So I would like for every parent and grandparent, I want you to come and find your student. And if there's a student up here without a parent or a grandparent, I would, I would like for another adult to come fill in the gap. Now I would like for everyone else to file in behind them because it takes a church. It takes a church. It takes the whole hedge. No one's left out. This is why you're so important. Come see, bud. Come see. Both of you. Come see. Yeah, I want you. I want you. Let me tell you how this works. One here, one here. This is why they need an intercessor in their life. God and His Father. That's what we call it. I want Colin to be connected to God. But he doesn't seem to want to be connected with God. You probably know people like that. People in your life, people in your family, that you would love for them to be connected with God, but yet it just doesn't seem like they're interested. Anybody know anybody like that? This is what intercessory prayer does. It says, I'm going to take the hand of God. I'm going to take the hand of God in prayer. And I'm going to pray that God would send his power through me. And let me be an intersection between God and man. That, that he would, wherever he is, he would feel the power, the anointing. So what you're about to do, don't take it lightly. Because these students, they need you to intersect to God with them. They need you to connect to God with them. If they cry a tear, you cry a tear. If they begin to speak in tongues, you begin to speak in tongues. If they begin to weep, you weep. If they rejoice, you rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And rejoice with those who rejoice. Teens praying in the altar is not a spectator sport. It's something to be involved in. It's something to do together. So.